From the Hill Country in Texas, this is OneRadioNetwork.com. Well, a very pleasant good afternoon to you. It's about 12.30 or so Central Time, and we're going to have a good show for you. Martin Armstrong is with us. My name is Patrick Timpone. It is 31 August 2022, and OneRadioNetwork.com. Just a quick plug for what we do. We're on the air most every day. We take Thursdays off to work on our screenplays and other writings. And then other times we're on two or three shows every day. Um, and uh, video shows, they're up on BitChute. Also, then all of our audios going back 15 years on this particular broadcast uh, are on OneRadioNetwork.com. Put in whatever you'd like to look for in our little search function. You'll find all kinds of things from money to uh, natural healing and geopolitics and crazy land stuff too. We like crazy land stuff. So as I said, Martin Armstrong is here and he uh, is a a good man and he has just been at this a very long time, Armstrong Economics. Um, He is uh, kind enough to come to our little show every now and then and uh, talk about what he's into. He has an AI uh, thing called Socrates. It's not a thing, it's a AI thing. So is <laughs> Martin Armstrong, what is it? It's an AI program, right? AI program. Yeah, it's um, actually, it's the only fully functioning AI system, artificial intelligence, that's monitoring the entire world, all the countries, what's going on. Wow. It actually writes all by itself a forecasting report on over a thousand markets globally every day. That's crazy. Um, that's crazy. So it's not you know, somebody's opinion or anything like that. That's why, we're, I mean, you know, we're, we still publish in Russia and China. We're not blocked because everybody knows it's, it's a computer. So they don't have to worry about on page three, you know, overthrow your government sort of thing, you know. <laughs> so so uh, Socrates doesn't have a political view. He just puts in stuff and comes out charts and graphs and prices. And, yeah. And yeah, yeah. I'll tell you, I mean, honestly, back in the 80s, um, I had uh, really kind of ended up with uh, someone who was, um, we had a client, it was Universal Bank of Lebanon. Yeah. And they had found a ledger where somebody wrote down all the, the prices of the Lebanese pound for like 100 years. Mm-hmm. And they asked us if we could do a model. Mm-hmm. I said, sure. We put it into the computer. And out came and said, your country is going to fall apart in eight days. <laughs> now, I thought something was wrong. So I called him and I said, look, there's got, something's got to be wrong with this data. It says your country is going to fall apart in eight days. And they very calmly asked me, well, what currency do you think would be best? I thought that was kind of strange. I said, well, it says this was shrink. Eight days later, the Civil War began. Hmm. Uh, the same thing happened again. We had a client in Saudi Arabia who was big on shipping. And he calls me and he says uh, uh, <clears throat> uh, that basically Iran was going to start attacking shipping in the Gulf uh, tomorrow. What do you think gold's going to do? I said, you tell me a war's going to start tomorrow? And he goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you think gold's going to do? Um, so over the years, I learned that how does it do this? And the answer was kind of simple, really. I mean, when the Universal Bank of Lebanon called me, 
obviously they were seeing capital flows moving. So um, that's why would you ask me to do a model on something and then ask me which currency is going to be best? So they already saw something happening. Hmm. So I think what the computer does, it's picking up that. It's picking up the capital flow movements. Now, it may not say who is doing what, you know, and why, but you can basically see it. And, and over the years, what I've noticed is that if, let's say, if China was going to really invade the United States, what would they do first? Hmm. Well, they sell all the U.S. debt. Sure. Why would you hold the debt of somebody you're going to wipe out? You know, um, the Germans did that. They counterfeited British pounds during you know World War II, so you know um, it made sense. And uh, I guess the biggest forecast that it did, I stood up in '98 in our conference in London, and I said, you know. Uh, Computer is basically saying that Russia is going to collapse, and I give it a you know a little, little more than thirty days. Uh, well, the London Financial Times had snuck in the back, and they ended up putting that on the first page of the second section, saying, "Oh, well, Armstrong says Russia is going to collapse." That turned out to be the long-term capital management collapse. So you know the whole thing just broke wow. the down. Wow. So the computer's picking that up. I mean, it took maybe a year later than I could see what the effects were. But, you know, the Russia is basically shipping out $50 billion and hiding it in, in the Channel Islands uh, so they could still get more money from, from the IMF. I mean, we're picking up the capital flows. Yeah. At that time, I didn't know who it was or why. Um, I understand. You know, so, but, yeah, but central, yeah, central banks are, are, aren't they private, Martin Armstrong? And so BlackRock and all this stuff. I mean, would Socrates be able to know money that these people off the books are sloshing the, through the CIA, black ops, and all that stuff? Oh, yeah, because really? effectively they're going to be spending it someplace. And it's got to go through a wire, you mean? I mean, it's got to go through SWIFT or... Or the new, yeah, yeah. I mean, it still has to go through the through the system. It's hmm. uh, it may be off the books per se, but they're still spending it. So um, it doesn't matter. I mean, if you stole a thousand dollars from from the bank, what are you going to do with it? You're going to go out and spend it. We we still pick it up. You know what I mean? So yeah, right, um, right. So uh, did you have to keep uh, tweaking Socrates to add any new stuff or? Once you get everything in there, it's kind of in. It's done. It's pretty much in. I mean, it's hmm. it's downloading data itself. Um, you know, we don't. I mean, twenty years ago, we needed two hundred and forty people. You know, it's now basically six people are monitoring it. Wow. That's about it. Wow. wow. Uh, so it's 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 doing a fantastic job. I mean, it's and it's. It's not politically biased. It's not involved in, in um, you know, you get analysts say, well, I think, mm -hmm. um, you know, we're all right, we're, we're wrong. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, that's human nature. Yeah. So, um, you know, where Socrates doesn't do that, it's actually watching everything around. And I mean, being a historian of markets, um, 
I mean, I realize that if you look at things from a long-term perspective, uh, they used to hunt whales for oil, you know. Um, so you're even something like oil. I mean, I have no idea. So I, I said I didn't put in any like hard line rules. I said, you go off and you check everything. And one of the first forecasts that it did that really impressed me uh, was in, in the very early 80s. It came out and it said, you know, two things that the British pound was going to fall from 240 to par, really? which it did in 1985. But it also had come out and said the British economy was going to flip and align with the United States and be a counter trend to Europe. Now, that was uh, like, what? How could that possibly happen? And so I wrote some routines to, to baby, you know, to have a conversation with it. Mm -hmm. I said, well, how are you coming up with this? And here it picked up the North Sea oil had just begun in 1977. So within just, you know, three years, it picked up the capital flow showing that Britain was becoming an energy independent country, whereas Europe still has to import everything from Russia. Fascinating. Fascinating. So uh, was that the, the pound thing? Is that where Soros made all of his money? Well, he came in. Um, no, that's about 10 years later. Oh, 10 years I mean, later. Uh, that was... I used to advise uh, Maggie Thatcher. Did you? And um, yeah, we actually became pretty good friends. Um, huh. She invited me even to her house for Christmas parties. Um, but um, Maggie was was very practical. She knew her history, uh, unlike pretty much any of the world leaders we have today. But um, she was against joining the euro because she knew it was just a backdoor way and what would happen they would end up surrendering um everything, all the sovereignty everything new yeah yeah so they they staged a coup to get rid of her and john major then basically took over and they took the british pound into the erm now politicians and they don't understand anything about economies or anything. And <coughs> they put in the pound into the European exchange rate mechanism at a high value because, oh, that makes me look good. What well, was overvalued? So Soros started attacking the pound. And um, because I had advised Maggie not to do it, eventually they had to call me in what's your computer say i said i said you know look you, you gotta devalue the pound it's 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 going to break and they said oh we can't because john major during the election said he would not devalue the pound and um so i thought about it i wrote a paragraph i gave it to him and i said here have him say this i'm going to allow the pound to float to seek its own level oh and they said, oh, brilliant. It's the same thing. It's, it's all a matter of words. That's it. Same thing. He didn't devalue it. The market did. You see? So yeah. you can't blame me. Um, 
But what these politicians don't understand uh, is when you fix a currency, this is why Bretton Woods collapsed. Uh, there is a business cycle. There are times of booms and times of busts. That's it. And when you fix a currency, it's an absolute guaranteed trade. I can bet a trillion dollars against it. If I lose, I get my money back. If I win, I make an absolute fortune. And I explained that to a few weeks before the Swiss uh, euro peg broke. I went there to the central bank. I said, look, this is going to break. Oh, no, we're going to be able to hold it. I said, I'm sorry. I said, the history's on my side, not yours. Nobody's been able to do this. Uh, and it broke. Uh, that was it. But the same thing in Southeast Asia. That currency crisis was all fixed exchange rates. Hmm. I mean, it's like going to a casino, betting on red. And, and if you lose, you think, okay, give me my money back. Let's try again. <laughs> so, Martin Armstrong, um, most air all currencies, even though maybe not officially, they still kind of compare it to the dollar, right? And in a way, yes. it's pegged to the dollar. It's kind of like... So what happens then when Russia and China maybe do their own kind of basket of... They're going to want to do their own reserve currency. That's on the table, right? They want to do that? Yes. Talk I about mean, that. Is, What's going on there? Well, basically, when... Russia went into Crimea in 2014. Uh, <clears throat> Obama went to SWIFT and said he wanted them to remove Russia from the SWIFT system. Right, which they you need refused. to do to trade, right? That's the big, yeah. big daddy. Yeah, the big. They daddy. refused. They said, "We, you know, forget it. We're not political." So they changed the the head of the SWIFT system in 1990. You know, I, I think it was in 2019, mm -hmm. and so. You have Biden goes home. Well, we want you to remove Putin, remove Russia. Oh, okay, no problem. I mean, that was economic suicide for the world. And now, you know, honestly, to 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 advise objectively, if you're um, if you're Chinese, now what has the West done to to Russians? They said, oh, well, we'll go after the oligarchs because that will put pressure on Putin. Mm -hmm. All right. That's a complete violation of international law. All right. So now if your country is so if we get an argument with Canada, do we confiscate all Canadian prop property in the United States? I mean, that's the problem. Before then, OK, you can have sanctions between countries. All right. We sanction Iran. You didn't go after individuals. All right. And the warning sign of that, if you're in China and you've just seen what they've done to individual Russians. Yes, sir. Does that give you confidence to buy property anymore in the United States? Probably not. We get, you yeah. know, exactly. I mean, you know, over the years, I mean, I've had to advise, you know, uh, investors and say, OK, don't go to this country because there's we call the currency risk. So certainly wouldn't put anybody in some of the African countries or Iran, which just nationalizes assets. They're just stealing them from you. So, you know, it's, you, you have to, you know, in an international investment, we have country risk. And what Biden has done is absolutely destroy the world economy. 
it's no longer a one global economy. By taking Russia out, you've now set China to set up its its chip system. Yes. All right. So now you will ha- you've already split the world economy in half, and you're you're telling countries and to make a decision. All right. Do you want to be part of chips or do you want to be part of SWIFT? Yes. Well, if I'm part of SWIFT, then maybe and you get mad at me, then you tell them to take me out. Uh, it you know it you've Biden has completely destroyed the world economy. Oh, what what advantage or motive would the the globalists who we believe are controlling Biden, aren't they holding hands and sitting and meeting with the dollar people, Martin Armstrong? Why would they? No, not they're, really. They're, not, just, they're separate? They're separate? A lot of them are getting, you know, uh, I get calls from people that used to be on the other side. Right. Um, but the Biden administration and Europe is are primarily being driven by these climate change zealots. Yeah. Uh, and that's their first objective, all right? Uh, taking Russia out, putting the sanctions on Russia for energy was to stop the flow of energy to Europe. Yes, it makes inflation higher. Yes, it makes you know everybody's life much more miserable. Uh, however, it achieves their goal in reducing fossil fuels. And that's all they care about. That's all they care about. So they really that's believe in this green new thing Whatever their motive is, they really believe that they want to keep driving this forward. Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, just look at his, the, the last bill we signed, pushing, you know, electric cars and stuff. I mean, it's very nice, but, you know, I live out, you know, by St. Petersburg. A Prius can't even make it inland to Orlando uh, on a charge. Um, <laughs> And I know somebody that bought one. I said, you know, if there's a hurricane, how the heck are you ever going to get out of the state? Oh, that's a total electric Prius. And they just Prius. kind of look at you like, yeah. oh, I didn't think about that. No, I know. But but, but they, don't, they don't think about the idea that you have to use fossil fuels to create the electricity to plug the car in. I mean, they miss that part, right? Well, you know, it's they just want to destroy as much as possible mm, wow. our capacity to produce it. Wow. And then they think the alternatives will come later. But they don't realize what they're doing to the world. Um, I mean, we're not at a stage where you know you have people revolting in the streets yet. Mm. But you do in third world countries. Uh, yes. Sri Lanka, Pakistan. Why? Because these people in third world countries live hand to mouth. Yeah. Double, triple the, the energy prices to them. They can't work. Yeah. They can't do things. I mean, it's it's much more different. Uh, they also don't have social programs and welfare and social security and things of this nature. So people turn out to the streets and let's go get them. Yeah. I mean, that's basically what you're talking about. Yes, sir. Yeah. So you see more revolutions in third world countries i mean eventually they they will you know rise to europe and and america too but um you know that's just it starts largely in the peripherals like that is they can't they don't have the resources we do the european dudes out there the energy european commission president ursula von Leyen declares an energy emergency 
The crisis will not be contained in Europe, saying we just don't know why electricity prices are going to be really high this winter. And we just, yeah. don't, we just don't know. We, we don't know. You have... Um, wow. Germany has issued booklets, which you can find on the, uh, on the internet, how to cook food without electricity. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> I mean, you know, it, a very cold winter in Europe is going to be, it's you're going to see the death toll rise among the elderly. Um, and this is mainly because Putin is cutting them off? No, it, it's not really so much Putin. What you have to understand also is that Ukraine is the flatland. The flatland. So that's where, flat that's where all the, the pipes bringing the energy to Europe go through Ukraine. Ah, okay. Mm -hmm. All right. That's why they were building um, that Nord Stream, which was under the water. To Germany. Okay. The North to Germany. Mm -hmm. That was the alternative to Ukraine. Oh. If if you really took a nuke and you wiped out Ukraine, Europe is dead. Um, no more energy. No. Yeah, I mean it's it's uh, the Russians used to, you know, basically have a saying, "Why didn't God build, put mountains there?" <laughs> because that's how they've always been invaded from Napoleon, etc. you know. Oh, right through uh, Ukraine. Hitler, the flat Through line. Ukraine, because that's where you can bring the tanks through. Sure. Ah, okay. You can't get through the mountains that way, you yeah. know. So, um, hmm. uh, that's why Ukraine has been such a strategic, important uh, area. Uh, there's been many wars that have fought there. Um, I mean... <clears throat> I mean, you can, you know, even Google it. There was the Crimean War, uh, and actually the Black Plague started from there. Hmm. Uh, they were the, the, the Tartars that came in and brought the Black Plague from Asia, and they started catapulting the um, dead bodies into the Geneva, you know, into the forts. Wow. And then <laughs> uh, the Italians fled, and they took it back to Europe. So, uh, so this is why Putin... This is why Putin was so determined to try to get them to agree not to put NATO on his border in Ukraine. That's what he was... Yeah, yeah I, mean, yeah. It, I mean... That made sense. Honestly, if we look at this objectively, um, we did the same thing when they were trying to put, you know, nukes in Cuba. Sure. <laughs> um, you know, it's... Uh, it, you know, that's basically it. I mean, there's, there's just... There's never been any respect. There was a whole group of what I called neocons. And the neocons are not necessarily just Republicans. They also include, you know, Democrats. Hillary was one. Mm -hmm. But probably the leader of it was John McCain. And, uh, you know, I met him a few times. I mean, I really didn't even want to shake his hand. I mean, he was that, he's just nasty. Um, and it didn't matter what Russia ever did. He just felt that Russia would always be the enemy and that's it. And um, I mean, he was talking against Russia even when, you know, Gorbachev days or Yeltsin days. Uh, whoever's the head, that's it. He's never acceptable or whatever. Um, but uh, <clears throat> I'm about ready to put out a book 
uh, called the seizure of Russia and the seizure really of Russia wow I got a, the uh, under a FOIA request I finally got all the declassified documents from the Clinton administration oh. I've got the phone calls from Yeltsin the Clinton and uh, <clears throat> the whole thing is just amazing but the bureau you know they were the reason Putin was even there was because of a plot that was uh, for the US to take over Russia to take it over yeah During and that was being sold I got all the documents on it the oligarchs led by uh, Barisnovsky uh, he wanted the US to support them we'll take over Russia we're businessmen all right <clears throat> we're not interested in geopolitics and Russia should be absorbed by the West and join NATO the same as <clears throat> Germany and Japan after World War two right that's that was the whole pitch and it's all in these documents that I have um, and <clears throat> Uh, so you're gonna write a whole book yeah. on it and coming out next month or yeah, a couple it, months. It, yeah. they to try and pull it off Barisnovsky um, tried blackmailing Yeltsin in <clears throat> July of 99 Yeltsin realizes he's been set up by Barisnovsky and that's when he turns to Putin and on August 9th and all the documents from the Clinton administration show that Putin was not a communist. That's why he turned to him. Because the communists were at the same time trying to take back the country. They had filed for impeachment against them. So he had the, the communists on one side and the oligarchs on the other side, both of them trying to steal Russia from him. So that's where Putin came in. He turned uh, to Putin because he was neutral. He was not a, a communist and he wasn't one of the oligarchs. And even Clinton was, you know, met him and he says he's a very smart man. Uh, it's very interesting to see the real facts behind Whoa. all this nonsense. Wow. Um, hmm. And then is the one that kept uh, basically everything under the sun was, was caused by Putin. You know, um, and it was largely because Putin kicked him out and no, you're not going to get a hold of Russia. And actually the very final words of Yeltsin to Putin were protect Russia, please. Mm -hmm. What kind of support do you think, uh, do we know how much support uh, Putin has in Russia from the people or also the other big wigs, the upper echelon there? Well, um, he has probably over a 70 percent approval rate well wow. he is very and and that's not um strange our problem with sanctions is they never work anyhow uh and you can read um bill crystal's book on going into iraq you know in, into iraq Correct. i mean i knew bill too um, the theory was very arrogant that we go in, we take out these dictators, the people will cheer and give us like a ticker tape parade for saving them. 
It's total bullshit. Yeah, it just didn't it's happen. It's never happened once in history in any country. And Gaddafi or Hussein or Pinochet and, and Chile or um, anybody, right? Uh, Saddam Hussein was actually good for the region. He kept the crazy people in check. Yeah, same way with Gaddafi uh, too, right, Martin Armstrong? Yeah, he was once you took those people out, then you mess. had the religious fanatics go nuts, ISIS, etc. Yeah, well. They could never get that kind of power when they were there because they would just basically wipe them out. They would just wipe them out. Yeah. They were in the streets uh, in Iraq uh, yesterday. Did you see that? They're, yeah, yeah. I mean, look, you know, have to understand there's a culture and you just, you can't change the culture of a country just by that. And this, re you know, our problem with the whole sanctions against Russia is the same thing we're standing up we're going to do this to you we're going to do this to you and it's like <clears throat> we're going to punish the russian people until you get so mad you rise up and you overthrow putin not going to happen right it's not going to happen because then they realize you're the one trying to manipulate us <laughs> that's why he actually has one of the highest <clears throat> uh, approval ratings of all world leaders and what has that done to russia's gold um, stashes and also his uh, um, the the ruble uh, these all these sanctions has that hurt the, yeah, the ruble went up not down no? uh, and he he shifted his gold sales to, to China um, it was the same thing with Iran when we put sanctions on them they were basically giving the the selling the gold at a discount under the table to Turkey and Turkey was selling it I mean um, there's always a way around this stuff and and I can't find any point in history where sanctions have ever worked against anybody hmm. I mean we've had sanctions on Iran for how many decades I mean the Ayatollahs are still there um, it just didn't work what's the story with this nuclear thing they keep bringing up that it's some kind of nuclear deal with Iran do you know the inside scoop on that Martin Armstrong yeah, basically that, you know, um, they want to do a, uh, a nuclear power plant. And uh, the whole argument for years was that they were developing these weapons of mass destruction. Right. Um, so, I mean, that's, that's largely part of it, that they would have to agree to inspections and stuff like that. Um, uh, and, and you're taking energy and you're you're trying to make the price extremely expensive to begin with. I mm -hmm. mean, mm -hmm. uh, you know, it, none of this stuff seems to be very strategically thought out. Um, what is the real result longer term? Um, I mean, you've you've Nixon. <clears throat> what well, became uh, very, very strategic listening to Henry Kissinger, and they split Russia uh, from China and made the two of them look at each other as enemies. With the Kissinger what deal? Kissinger and Nixon did that. Yeah. yeah. Um, and Biden put them together. Hmm. Exactly the opposite. Um, it, it just it makes no sense whatsoever. And... and um, I, you know, there's just not a lot of strategic thinking about this longer term. What, what are the consequences of this? 
but already you've split the world economy. Hmm. You're not putting that back together. Why would the, I mean, maybe I'm just assuming that globalists are controlling Biden. In your opinion, if you're on a game show, could you uh, name some groups or names or organizations of people who are controlling Biden today? In August 2020, it's really all the climate change people. Took, you uh, think it's all the, the Green New Deal? They they basically have everything lined up. Uh, wow. they're the ones with pushing it. Wow. Um, a lot of the so-called globalists are backing away. Um, you know, they're they're just not uh, they're not there like they used to be. Hmm. Uh, Europe went down with you know negative interest rates in 2014 uh that kind of really hurt a lot of the bankers uh and um even pension funds that we were we get projects you know for them asking us if we could design a green portfolio for them that doesn't lose money (laughs) because they don't lose money (laughs) you know I mean, to be asked, can I create a portfolio where I least break even? Thank you. That would be such a pleasure. <laughs> so the Green New Deal, though, is it's not about somebody really believing that their man-made global warming is affecting the weather, right? Is it about control and controlling energy and so they'll control a, what you and I can... The people behind it really are. You, you're talking about uh, Klaus Schwab, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, there are people that want that and and George Soros, the two of them have been pushing this idea. Um, and actually, you know, you can look at it. There's a guy, you know, the guy that did the film on me, Marcus Vetter, also did the film on Schwab. Hmm. Schwab called him and says, okay, well, you can do one on me now. <laughs> uh, you know, ironically, Schwab and I have been back and forth at each other I, I, for decades. We started our World Economic Conference in 1985. He started his World Economic Forum in 1987. Uh, it just seems whatever I do, he ends up, you know, trying to compete on the opposite side. So, what's but, his story? What does he want? He is basically uh, a Marxist, and the their idea is hmm. that the only reason Marxism failed was because they didn't have the United States in Europe as well. Oh. So, you know, it's, they never want to say that, you know, their idea is wrong. And, you know, I've argued to I'm blue in the face. They just don't understand. It's human nature that you're trying to change. And this is what's wrong with Marxism or socialism. Um, And they don't get that. They really don't. and his idea of basically saying that uh, you'll own nothing and be happy, right. is, it, but there's more to that. We've reached a point where the government debts are no longer sustainable, mainly in Europe. Um, and when they were forming the euro, they, they came to me and I sat down with them and I said, look, you have to consolidate the debts if you want to compete with a dollar. And they said they couldn't because Germany wouldn't agree to that. And they said, look, we just got to create the euro first. We'll worry about the debts later. Um, And that's basically what they did. They just had to usher in the euro. um, 
at the time the head of Germany was Kohl, he didn't even allow the German people to vote on it. He actually said he acted like a dictator. And just did it. Yeah. Um, he just he just did it. Uh, but that's why he couldn't do the debt. If he agreed to consolidating the debt of all the countries, then he knew, and he even said, he said he would have lost seven to one. Hmm. So uh, they created this euro, which is not uh, really competitive to the dollar. And <clears throat> there's something else that, that's behind it. The dollar has never been canceled. So there, you know, 70% of the dollars are circulating outside the United States. People use it as a hedge against their own current currencies. All right. Europe, they cancel their currencies routinely. Uh, if you have a, a, a five pound mm -hmm. note from 20 years ago, it's not valid. Really? Huh. They cancel them. Hmm. Um, same thing in, throughout Europe. So you can't hold those, those currencies. Like I've, still have some of the high denomination currency when I was in, in India the last time for a business trip. They're canceled. They're canceled. All right. So I can, I can frame them. That's about it. Um, <laughs> so that's why people like these $100 bills around the world, right? Yes. Yeah, the, the U.S. dollar is the reserve currency for that primary reason outside the country. And how long, how long is that going to last, Martin Armstrong? Well, the U.S. will be the last to go down. Oh. Uh, I know all these people saying, oh, the U.S. is printing money and, and hyperinflation. That's all nonsense. Um, you will see the peripherals fall first. So Europe will go, will go down first. And as that happens, what made the United States the number one economy was World War One and Two. In 1896, J.P. Morgan had to bail out the U.S. Treasury. We were basically bankrupt. All right. So, World War One and World War Two come. There are tanks rolling down the streets. Aren't you? Don't you think you would take your money out of the bank because it might be blown up? What are you going to do with it? All right. They shift it over here. That's how the U.S. By the end of World War Two, had 76 percent of the entire world gold reserves. Whoa. That's how Bretton Woods became what it was. Hmm. And the dollar became the reserve currency. So you have to understand, you get wars in Taiwan, you get wars in, in, in Europe, the money's coming <laughs> here. All right, so first, those areas have to fall. Then you get it all coming to this area and will concentrate. After that, the United States will fall because of political unrest the, you know, um, what's wrong with what's taking place is that effectively um, Biden's really declared war on half the country. I don't care what you think. You're going to do what I tell you to do. Pretty much. All right. Yeah. That's yeah. that's what created the civil war. All right. Uh, you know, they want to say, oh, slavery. No, it wasn't really that. It was about state rights. Yeah. Okay. The vast majority of, of the people in the army were not slave owners. Slaves were pretty expensive. So the rich had them, yes, but not, you know, every household. 
Uh, it was more or less, you're going to tell us what to do. And it was against federalism, which Jefferson was against to begin with. All right. Um, and, you know, the slavery was the issue. All right. Uh, but it was more or less, you're going to dictate to us uh, what we should be doing and what we should not. And that was originally states' rights, which they just ignored. And we're doing that again. Yeah. With everything, um, with the mandates and the injections and uh, the WHO wanting to tell Florida yeah, what to do, all kinds of stuff. Uh, it's crazy. I mean, even the abortion issue, the Supreme Court threw it back to the states. Yeah. Okay, so, all right, fine. So one state says yes, one state says no, or whatever. That was states' rights. Mm-hmm. And now you have the Democrats saying, we don't like that, we want a federal. So it's back to the federalism stuff. But that's just one issue. Uh, taxes, all this stuff, it's, the way, it's going to be the way we want. And you're going to be suppressed and do whatever we tell you to do. Uh, and that's it. Um, and I think most people understand that even this student loan thing, that we're going to end up paying for it, right? Somebody's going to pay for this thing. It's going to be the, of course. the people, right? Um, <laughs> Where else is it going to come from? Well, it's going to come from. The worst thing about student loans, if you really check it out, you'll see it was Hillary that handed that to the bankers to get all the votes. Oh, because they, they create the money and lend it to the students. No, well, no. what happened was the the Clintons wanted them to, to provide student loans. Right. And they said, we're not going to do that because they don't have collateral. So they made them so that you can never default on them. Right, okay. So then the bankers said, okay. But then the bankers, what they did, they did a very clever bait and switch. They get a parent to co-sign yes. on top of that. Yeah. Then if the kid can't pay, they take the father's house. <laughs> and he has no recourse. Wow. So, you know, look, they have use these student loans ruthlessly to deny any family the right to even go into bankruptcy. But the banks create the money, correct? How can Biden, with an executive order, say they don't have to pay the banks back? The banks are private. Well, they're gonna, the government will have to pay the banks. Oh, the government's going to give... They'll, they'll borrow the money and pay the banks. Yes. Hmm, good. <laughs> they're not going to leave the bankers out. Um out of pocket so they will just you know print the money and say okay fine here <laughs> okay fine Martin, I'm sorry. stay there uh, Martin please uh, Patrick Timponi OneRadioNetwork.com we'll take a quick little break here and be back if you're oh we have somebody on hold we'll get to you on hold also an email if you have a question for Mr. Armstrong Patrick OneRadioNetwork.com boy fascinating stuff hey um, we have our last day of this sale on Pine Pollen one of my favorite, favorite, favorite supplements. The last day of this sale, tonight, midnight, use promo code RESTORE20 on Pine Pollen from Sir Thrival. Watch. The first supplement I like to take in the morning, right after I wake up, is Pine Pollen Pure Potency, or P4. 
This is Surprival's flagship testosterone and androgen support formula. It's made with the pollen of pine trees, which is rich in testosterone, androstenedione, DHEA, and a bunch of plant sterols. These are all substances, phytochemicals, that support the body's natural androgens, or male hormones. Of course, men and women are using this product, but usually it's men in andropause. Men after age 40 whose testosterone production has started to decline. Many of survival supplements can be taken any time of day, but Pine Pollen Pure Potency, it's important that you take at very specific times of the day. Now it can be taken once, twice, or three times, depending on how much you want to supplement yourself with the phytoandrogens found in it. But the key is taking it at morning, right upon waking, midday or noon, and then again right before bed. So once, twice, or three times a day, but always at those times. And that's because that's when your body's naturally producing its own testosterone. And all we wanna do is amplify that sine wave. We don't wanna to start to take testosterone at a time where our body's purged it from the bloodstream. Instead, we wanna take it at a time where those levels are already spiking and we're just subtly helping to increase them. This product tastes fantastic. I think of it like an orange creamsicle. And that's because in addition to that subtle pine flavor, there's a little bit of orange peel, Tahitian vanilla bean, cloves, and then a little bit of maple syrup just to give it this nice kind of sweet orange flavor. So it's really delicious and easy to take. So if you're looking to increase your testosterone or androgen levels and you want an alternative to pharmaceutical testosterone replacement therapies, there's nothing that does it better than pine pollen, pure potency. Thank you. Uh, promo code RESTORE20 for 20% off uh, till midnight tonight. It really is a, a nice product. We um, support ourselves on One Radio Network with our shows every day, audio and video, is by simply promoting products like that one and other products that we really like and we're very particular. We don't just get on a lot of affiliate things and put all these ads up everywhere and say, get 2%. We don't do that. We, we work out a, a better deal for us because we treat these products like our own. And... Um, I just invite you to go to One Radio Network and look at some of the things that we have. Just to give a little plug here. You can go in our store and look there in our store and they have a lot of things. Uh, we have a relaxed far infrared sauna. Uh, that's one of the best saunas ever. It's made in Taiwan at a medical university. And if Russia doesn't take them over and shut it down, I think we'll be fine. Uh, pine, <laughs> pine pollen. We have the EMF protection device called Blue Shield. Very, very good uh, to help the body to withstand these assaults on uh, from EMFs, you know. And they got a new one coming out, especially for 5G. Uh, stay tuned for that from Blue Shield. The Pearlseum, you brush your teeth with Pearlseum and take it. It's the only calcium that's from a living source, so it's not some rock, you know, that'll end up in your arteries, so that's not good. The AquaCure Browns Gas Machine, uh, the uh, Hydrogen uh, Pure Organic Sulfur, uh, premium grade herbal extracts from um, Shen Blossom. Great stuff, really. Good, good, good stuff. So the BioAge. Um, so there you have it. Um, and also, speaking of money, if you'd like to look at a bit of getting some numismatic coins, one of our favorite ways is our friend Fred Dashevsky, who is a former partner of uh, uh, my mentor in the money uh, business, Andrew Goss. And his number is 800-878-2646. Uh, Numismatic Coins is a great way to have gold and silver. 
you have collectible value, the old $20 gold pieces. Back in the Roaring Twenties, they shipped all these coins over to Europe and brought them all back after the boys took everything they could. And these coins are being traded today, the $20 St. Gardens gold coins, and you can get some. 800-878-2646. So thanks for uh, coming to One Radio Network. Let us know if we can help with anything. Email me, and uh, I'll see what I can do to help you out. From the Hill Country in Texas, this is OneRadioNetwork.com. We are talking with a legendary investor. His name is Martin Armstrong. Um, you're coming out with a book called, um, what's it called, Russia? Taking Russia? Seizing Russia? Seizing Russia? The seizure of Russia. Well, and that's the real they story. I mean, all the, the huh. declassified documents from the Clinton administration. So why didn't that work? Who, who said no? to the plan Uh, that's how Putin came to power actually Yeltsin basically realized that he was trapped between the oligarchs on one side and the communists on the other side and he turned to Putin Um, and I I think largely that's why Hillary uh, blamed Putin for interfering in the 2016 election because she knew that they were basically trying to do that in the Russian election of 2000 Mm mm-hmm So these people, uh, the Green New Dealies who are running things, why are they so intent on trying to, as it's it's set off and destroy the middle class, just kind of kick our ass, more debt, these supply chains, raising prices? What what are they, why do they, why, you know, why do they want to do that to us? What do we do to them? Look, it's it's really a religion, in my opinion. Really? Um, I tried it to some people about it, and oh no, no, you're wrong. Uh, and I said, you know, you're only looking at data from 1850 on. Uh, you know, civilizations have risen and fallen because of there's global warming periods and global, you know, cooling periods. I mean, how did ice ages ever end sure. if we sure. didn't have, you know, fossil fuels? You know? Sure. Um, sure. It's just absurd. I mean, and you can read, you know, Cicero talking about you know, pollution in ancient Rome because everybody was burning wood. Uh, in fact, the, the first Clean Air Act uh, was in 561 mm-hmm. AD. Um, that you couldn't burn wood if you're in the bottom apartment and let the smoke go up and affect the top apartment. So if they can push us down, this will make us more amenable to doing their deal and buying into all this? Is that part of it? They also think that if you push the price of energy up so high, uh, you will end up with an electric car. You will like it. Right? You will like it. Uh, yeah, and um, you'll be happy. You know, uh, you'll be happy. <laughs> can't drive more than two hundred miles, but you'll be happy. You'll be happy. Um, wow! Do you see where California? They're 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 forcing the uh, the fast food places. All of them, anybody with over 100 stores that do $22 an hour, I think Newsom's going to sign that bill. These people are bonkers. California is, is a, it's, just a total disaster. It's gone, I mean, right? It's, uh, it's gone. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, you know, our computer basically shows the U.S. will split. Split. Uh-huh. Uh, now you're getting somewhere, and Socrates, yeah. It's going to be more of the south with the Midwest. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. against the north 
uh, east, and you're looking at California, Washington, and Oregon probably splitting off to a third. Um, yeah, it makes sense, right? Yeah. It, it's just, you know, there. It's better off that way yeah. because, um, I mean, I'm more of a Jeffersonian, I think. I'm an anti-federalism. Right. Uh, and, I mean, I mean, I loved Europe. You go from one country to another, it's a complete different culture. Yeah. Different food, different Different languages. currency, everything was different, um, yeah. And they wanted to, you know, make everybody the same, like grow cookie cutters. And, <laughs> and that's what they try to do to us here. And it's not the same. No. Uh, it, it's just not. I mean, you walk down the street in St. Petersburg and somebody was, hi, how you doing? You walk that way in New York City and they and you said that to somebody, they're going to look at you like, what, are you trying to rob me or something? <laughs> what? Um, it really feels like we have Texas and Florida, Oklahoma, Tennessee, uh, Louisiana, that that niche there, right? That's pretty strong, you know, right there. And it, yes, and the culture of the South is definitely yeah. very anti-authoritarian um, rule from the North. I mm, mean, yeah. when DeSantis was talking, I think Biden said something about trying to block people coming to Florida. <laughs> and he said he'd call out the National Guard to protect Floridians from the from the feds, and everybody cheered. That's right. Um, I mean, it's just nonsense. I mean, hmm. this is supposed, you know, a, we're supposed to be a country, and what creates civilization is when everybody comes together for their own mutual benefit. Yeah. All right. Uh, you bake bread, so I don't have to break the you know bake the bread. I can do painting a wall or something. All right. So everybody can do their own thing. Uh, what was wrong about Russia was that in, in communism, uh, we need somebody to to sweep a broom. You're next. Mm -hmm. You know, and and that was pretty much it. I mean, I, I went behind the Berlin Wall before it fell. I wanted to see what it was really like. And it was, you know, uh, a friend of mine was the day the wall went up, he happened to be like a little kid, like four years old or something, walking on the right side of the street with his grandmother. So he be ended up becoming an American. But the rest of his family was trapped behind the wall. So he'd asked me, he wanted me to go with him because he had heard rumors that if they found that he was actually born in East Germany, that they would, you know, uh, kidnap him or something. Hmm. He said, I want to go with a real American. Hmm. I said, yeah, okay, fine, I'll go. I want to see what this is really about. <laughs> it was very interesting. It, it's, it, it, you know, his cousin, she, would, she took us around, and if nobody was around versus somebody, the conversation was different. Uh, anybody remotely close to us you oh this is the government they take some, such wonderful care of us and as soon as they were gone she would call my you know no good piece of shit or something mm -hmm. um and we're like that now it's like you know you can't uh, you know oh you're you're saying something it's offensive you're canceled you know it's it's all this crazy craziness um you know yes, it 
it, it's completely nuts. I mean, when I was growing up, there was straight, there was gay, and there was bisexual. That was it. Nobody three, cares. Three no, categories. Nobody, nobody, nobody cares. 70. I mean, I have no idea. <laughs> I mean, what even to call anybody anymore. It's just, hey, you. That's it. It's an email. Here's an email from Kevin. So he's wondering um, if the government has the power to print the money. Will they actually... Um, they don't really print the money. They they borrow it, right? They borrow it from the Fed. That's where the well, that's where the debt comes. He says, "Why?" So his question is, "Why can't they just create as much money as they need to do things, and we don't need taxes?" Oh, look, I've argued that myself. Why not? Yeah, but they're not borrowing it from the Fed. What What's happened is that before 1971, if you had an E bond. And you went to the bank and you said, I want to borrow against it. The bank said, sorry, it's illegal. We can't do that. You got to cash it in. Uh, so that's where you get this idea before that it was less inflationary to borrow than to print. Right. As long as you couldn't borrow against it, it was taking the money out of the system, not increasing it. But after the fall of Brenton Woods, if you want to trade commodities and futures, what do you do? You can buy T-bills and post them as collateral. All right. Um, so now it's not illegal to borrow against government debt. Consequently... So they borrowed email onto the street. They're out in the street borrowing. Or pension what's funds. happening is, is that U.S. debt, uh, it's erroneous they need to borrow from the Fed. Those days are gone. All right. They issue debt and that is just money now that pays interest. Uh, it's got really nothing to do with the Fed, and that's the Fed's problem. But the Fed can no longer control inflation because it cannot control the fiscal side. But Martin Armstrong, I'm looking on the Fed's balance sheet, the H41 release right now, and we have they have six, well, 5.7 trillion. And U.S. securities, so they hold yeah. six trillion dollars of U.S. debt, right mm -hmm. there, right. But so the Fed, so the Treasury borrowed from the Fed. Yes and no. They they, they basically can borrow uh, from the marketplace, and if the Fed wants to increase the the money supply or decrease, it buys it in the open market. Oh, I see. So, so they put out, say, twenty billion in treasuries. The Fed can buy what they want. Yeah, when if they want to stimulate the economy, they that's buy. why they were buying these mortgage-backed securities right. from the banks. Uh, they're they're going to the banks and saying, "Look, we'll buy your thirty-year bonds." Gotcha. Um, I argued this in Washington that it, this is getting you know crazy. I think the Fed eventually listened to me, but I said, "You stick. You think you're borrowing." They were they were buying back thirty year bonds during the mortgage crisis, and in theory, to them, that would reduce the supply, and therefore the interest rate on mortgages would come down. Mm -hmm. And I said it's not going to work. Oh well, why? I said because China's got thirty year bonds and they're selling them to you. The money's going outside the country. It's those theories are so antiquated. You know, in a global economy, and they no longer work. Hmm. Yeah, it says so the yeah, they, increase the money supply all at once. It doesn't necessarily mean it stays here. Hmm. No, exactly. They've got two point seven still to this day of trillion 
on the Fed's balance sheet of mortgage-backed securities that they bought exactly. from the banks, right? 2.7 mm-hmm. from the banks. Yep. It's crazy. So th- this is part of the whole problem that the Federal Reserve has actually become the central bank of the world. Mm, yeah. Because the dollar is being used everywhere else. And um, that's why you have uh, China was lobbying against the Fed as well as Europe. Don't raise interest rates because you're going to hurt us. And what people have to understand is you have all these emerging markets that in order to sell their debt, they issue them in dollars. Oh, do they? And the dollar goes up and they're going bankrupt, like Sri Lanka, all right? The same thing with the problem in in China. Hmm. China warned its provinces and its banks, do not borrow in dollars, all right? They did anyhow to save money on interest. It was cheaper, all right? But then the dollar moves 20% and then they, they blow themselves up. So they, you know, it's... They say they were, we're not even teaching the proper economic theories anymore. It's just gone, isn't it? You got a PhD and uh, everything that we were taught, Keynesian economics, it's all dead, completely dead. Um, it, that's based upon an, an assumption of a domestic economy. So, everybody, oh, what's the Fed going to do? It, it's irrelevant. All right, the higher the rates. You know, of interest that the Fed wants to raise because it it has nothing else to do. That's all. It's, it's only its entire power. Paul Paul has to do something, right? He's got to do yes. something. Yeah. <clears throat> because if he doesn't, then the politicians blame him. Blame yeah. him, not yeah. them. You know. Yet he raises rates. It blows up the third world uh, around. You know, all these emerging markets and China. And then you have Europe, which went to negative rates, and all of a sudden, then nobody wants the European debt because they want the U.S. debt. Oh, I can get three to five percent in the U.S. I get nothing over here. Thank you very much. It, it just—it's a complete mess. It complete really book. is. So, um, at least early on, you could get a little sense of what was going on 30, 40 years ago—a little bit of sense, right? A little bit of balance here and there, and they borrow. But now. It's like it's like the whole thing is broken. Look at the oil. How can oil go up five or ten dollars or drop it in a day? That market is just broken, isn't it? It's just it's look. It's <clears throat> things are driven a lot by emotions. What people anticipate. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> I mean, they they don't understand what really makes a lot of this stuff work. Mm. Um, <clears throat> I did a study. I just took all the interest rates in the stock market. All right, took it back. The stock market's never peaked with the same level of interest rates twice. Uh, and <clears throat> when I did a book, um, we hope to maybe republish because I mean they go on on eBay for like three thousand dollars. <laughs> really? um, but um, it was called the the greatest bull market in history. When I did that, there you could see the thinking process changed. Before 1929, what would happen was if interest rates went up, they saw it as bullish because people were still willing to borrow. Hmm. 
when interest rates decline, what do you get? It's always a recession. Hmm. That's the reality of it. After 29, we ended up reversing that theory because it became Keynesian economics. Oh, the Fed's going to raise interest rates because they don't want us to do this. Yeah, they don't want us to borrow, right? So it, it, they, it completely inverted. Whereas if you look at what the interpretation was before in a free market, it made sense. As long as people were willing to borrow, okay, stock market kept going up. I mean, you can go to our site. I showed the Fed kept raising interest rates throughout the entire Trump administration. Yet they called it the Trump rally. Stock market didn't decline. The difference is this. It's expectations. If you think the stock market will double next year, won't you pay 10, 20 percent? All right. But if you don't think it's going to go up 1 percent, you're not going to borrow at 1 percent. So it's expectations account. And confidence. It has nothing to do with the empirical level of interest rates. Um, The Fed's problem is that that is the only Keynesian tool they have. And Keynes also said you could stimulate by lowering taxes. All right. Well, that's the politician side, and they never want to do that. All right. They're raising taxes again, which will only hurt and make us go into more of a recession. Hmm. At this, right? Um, but you know, the, I don't think, in all honesty, the Democrat even knows how to run for office anymore. It's always vote for me, and I'll take it from this guy and give it to you. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. What it, it is. That's basically it. It's it, it's always oh, we'll go get the rich, we'll get this, we'll get that. I was in Australia, and mm-hmm. they were pulling the same nonsense, <clears throat> and was to get through a luxury tax. And the, the slogan was, we're going to tax all the rich. We're going to go after their Ferraris, their fur coats, and their French wine. All right. I never had anybody get, serve me French wine at the most fancy business dinner ever. It was always Australian wine. <laughs> uh, it was too hot for a fur coat, except maybe down in Melbourne. And I saw maybe two Ferraris because it was already 100% taxed to get it in. All right. So... But it was a great slogan. Everybody cheered. Yeah, go get them. When they passed it, what was in it? All electrical products. <laughs> so you went and bought a TV? Oh, that's a luxury. You know, um, you want a refrigerator? That's a luxury. It was a luxury tax on everything. And that's the problem with all of this stuff. When they put the income tax in, uh, they vowed nobody, you know, we're just going after the rich and it won't affect you. And it's only right. for the war, right? Wasn't it yeah. put in during no, the war? No, no, this is back in 1913. Basically. Oh, 13, okay. All right. Then for the war, in World War II, they ended up doing the payroll tax. Of course, they never returned anything back to where it was. Um, and so they would say, oh, we're going to put in a billionaire's tax and you're going to have to, you know. All right, well, how do you enforce a billionaire's tax? Suddenly, everybody has to file a form under penalty of perjury that, hey, I'm not a billionaire. Otherwise, you can't identify him. Mm-hmm. And you just take this nonsense where, uh, oh, we're hiring 87,000 IRS agents and we're going to arm them yeah, to go that. after the billionaires. 
Google, how many billionaires are in America? 614. You need 87,000 people to go after them? They're coming after uh, the middle sorry, class. They're right? coming after you. They're not going after them. <laughs> we had, we had a, a constitutional expert on, Martin Armstrong, several times, and he suggested that in Texas or Florida that they could actually go through Congress and pass a law that um, that you didn't you didn't have to pay federal income tax. I mean, they could do that from states' rights. They could really do it, protect you. Well, it's pretty wild. Who really has the the um, the wherewithal to do that? And it would end up in the Supreme Court. And is the Supreme Court going to do it? No, they um, wouldn't. They would. They wouldn't go for it, would they? Supreme Court. I, I'll. I mean, makes one point that's very important. Uh, when they passed the income tax, nowhere in it did it say uh, worldwide income. All right. There were even cases, well, I got a dividend. That's not I, not earnings. That's not income. And the Supreme Court said, no, it's income. All right. Right. It was the Supreme Court that said, if you found a $10 bill while you were in Europe, that's income. Didn't matter where it was. Only Americans and Japanese are taxed on worldwide income. Is that right? Only? Really? And it was never hmm. put in the act. That was an interpretation by the Supreme Court. All right. So you think they they're always going to go. Therefore, it's everything. So you think the Supreme Court, uh, whether conservative or liberal, are always going to go along with the, with the party line, pretty much? I would, honestly, on a constitutional level, uh, I would challenge the whole thing basically on uh, First Amendment religious rights, and I would also uh, use the Equal Protection Clause. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, because, I mean, one of the Ten Commandments says, You shall not, you know, covet thy neighbor's goods. All right. That basically says, religiously, socialism violates the Ten Commandments. <laughs> Um, and it's never been argued, but that's right there. It's a religious exemption, and it should be enforced. But I think the country is just going to fall apart before we ever get to that yeah. part. Patrick wants to know, uh, how long does your guest think that this inflationary um, wave is going to go on? Are prices still going up? I mean, everything looks higher at the grocery store, but... You know, it's hard to keep track. Probably into 2024. It might get even get worse next what? year. Um, you think? You mean like meat and eggs and stuff is going to go up even more? And you think, Martin? Oprah? What they've done is Jeez. this inflation is different. Hmm. They the whole COVID thing destroyed a lot of the capacity to produce. Yeah, uh, and you created shortages. The Fed can raise interest rates all at once. It doesn't, you know, uh, it's not going to make it rain, and it's certainly not going to solve shortages, all right? right. Um, raising interest rates to fight inflation makes sense in an inflationary boom that's on speculation, not shortages. So this is mainly shortages, the rising prices. Yeah, I mean, there, look, there's times I go to Publix over here, and sometimes there's no milk. Yeah, It's, it's all gone or no eggs. It's gone, yeah. Yeah. It's just gone for the day. So what do you do? You end up buying, um, you know, if there's something you do use, uh, okay, I'll, I'll buy some extra and stuff it away. I mean, that's basically what's happening. Hmm. 
Yeah. Uh, so you buy extra because you might not be there the next time. Yes, a lot of that going on, right? A lot of that. Yes. Yeah. That's the type of inflation we have. Uh, that is more similar to the inflation at the end going into 1980 that made gold go to 875. Right, right. People were hoarding toilet paper back then, things of that nature. You, you bought it. That inflationary boom was caused by the OPEC because suddenly people realized that all plastic also comes from oil. So anything that was plastic was going up in price dramatically. We haven't quite seen that yet. But forcing the price of oil up, you will see plastics, anything that's plastics, also starting to rise next year. And oil may go up even much higher. And this whole nonsense with Russia, it, it's, it's really quite serious. It's a big deal, isn't it? Because of all the interconnecting dots with it, the energy in Europe and everything. It's huge. Yes, and a lot of it is propaganda. I mean, yeah, sure. um, it's people don't understand even the history of Ukraine. Ukraine was never a country. Um, and <clears throat> the Donbass that you know you hear about that Putin went in, <clears throat> it was Russia. And I'm talking about before the USSR. <clears throat> the Russian Empire of the Tsars went right up to the river where Kiev is on. Hmm. And two of the most prominent Russian heads of Russia came from right there. So I guess they're Ukrainian. <clears throat> Khrushchev, who started the, the Cuban Missile Crisis, and the guy right after him, Brezhnev. Born right there in the Donbass. Khrushchev was in charge um, when he entered the government. He's the one that rebuilt Kiev after World War II. Really? So, then he rose up through the ranks and became the head of Russia. So Putin must not think he's doing anything terrible. He's just putting it all together, kind of cold. <laughs> well, the problem is, is that the people there in the Donbass are Russians. Yeah, they are. The same thing in the Crimea. I mean, I you know, they're vastly Russians. In Crimea, you have some Tartars that are left from the old, uh, you know, Ottoman Empire and China, you know, invasion. You know, they stayed on and they settled there. So you actually have some Tartars in, in um, Crimea. You don't have ethnic uh, Ukrainians. They're just not, you know, they weren't there. Um, and so the Minsk agreement, when the revolution came in 14, was to allow the Donbass to vote. And... Germany and France brokered the deal and that's what was supposed to take place and they were never allowed to vote uh, and if you really want to look at the real history of it after the 2014 revolution we put in an interim government yes sir what was right. his name uh, unelected yeah all right then they then there was an election all right and the people voted it was that interim government that immediately began to attack the Donbass, uh -huh. send in troops to go after, not elected by the people. And if you look at what Zelensky was actually elected for, what he promised, exactly like our politicians, complete lies. He said, vote for me, I'll end corruption. Uh, the Senate's already confirmed he's got over 100 million stashed offshore from this stuff. 
And two, he would seek peace with Russia, which he's done exactly the opposite. Sure. He's got 100 million stashed, old Zelensky? Over 100 million. Whoa. <laughs> um, look, that's the way it is. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, money. a politician, you know. Okay, here's Clinton, a, whatever. You here's, know? here's a final email for you from Carol. Thanks for the show. Thanks for having Mr. Armstrong on from time to time. What does your guest believe will or will not happen in the midterms, and how is this going to affect the economy? Okay, good question. Mm. <coughs> Many the, people predicting there's going to be a more conservative wave in all of this. If that's true, does that help or hurt the economy? The GDP. It would probably help, but I'm not so sure that's going to happen. You don't think it's going to happen, really? Um, there, I would say the best shot of that actually happening would be in the House, not necessarily the Senate. Hmm. But uh, my concern is that the rumors from Washington that I get, which are often very reliable, is that uh, they're very desperate. Uh, that's why they raided Trump's house. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, you know, all of this is very serious because I think they're they're going too far. And um, the two things that come up is that one, they want to indict uh, Trump in September. Yes, sir. And the other one is that. Um, Biden will grant citizenship to all the illegal aliens three weeks before the election. So they can vote? So they can vote. Oh, great. And I think it was Arizona that the, passed the law that you had to prove you were American to vote, and the DOJ has filed a, a, a lawsuit against them saying that violates their civil rights. Whoa. So, I mean, look, I mean, this is just complete. It's really out of control. If you go this far. So is this a recipe for a real, I don't like to, you know, go dark on us, but a real civil war of some sort, some real bad yeah, stuff I, happening Yeah, I don't here? think we're looking at, you know, troops lining up on yeah. both sides, no. sort of thing. Uh, but I think what you would call a separatist movement. Separatist. Um, yeah. You know, declaring that way, I mean, would it end up, if I would say you'd have to look at Rome for any historical example. Mm. Uh, uh, Rome broke many civil wars and there were generals on both sides. So um, that's really the key. Uh, you know, if that took place, some military units would, would, you know, defend Washington and others would defend the South. I mean, so you would see the same thing. That's just human nature. Um, right. I understand. So... Uh, you know, I don't think that's like being clairvoyant or anything else. <laughs> Just right. look at history and you, you can see what's happened before. But, uh, yeah, yeah. you know, I don't see us as necessarily shooting each other or that sort of thing. I yet. hope not. Um, I hope not. If that comes, it's probably going to be after 2025 or something like that nature. But next year, our computer is very, uh, very negative or very sharp rise in both geopolitical and civil unrest Mm. Uh, and i'm concerned that they indict uh trump it's just you know they don't understand what's going on here i mean all the emails i get from overseas 
the raid on Trump's Mar-a-Lago has lowered the esteem of the United States tremendously. Wow, yeah. They're all looking at it and say, what are you, you guys now following Argentina or something? You go, you, you go after the last president and you always lock them up or whatever. I mean, even uh, they do that in Ukraine. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, we were always above that. Uh, and so, so stepping into his place in such an outrageous manner like this is, is kind of serious. Uh, and even, you know, Pomino came out and said, look, we knew Hillary had documents that she didn't turn over. We didn't storm her house. Um, so it, it's very political, and that's the way it's being seen outside the United States. Yes, that I bet so. This has all just become a political nightmare. And I, I <clears throat> they only listen to themselves. You know, so they're not going to call me up and, gee, what do you think? Because they know what I'm going to say. So they only want to listen to to people that are going to say, yeah, you're right, go yeah, ahead, yeah, you know, bite them, you know. Be fine. Um, yeah. It's kind of like I said about Bill Crystal. you know, that they said, go into the Middle East, we we get rid of these dictators, and they'll, they'll cheer us like a, a tick, you know, a ticker tape parade. It's just nonsense, you know, and I'm, I'm afraid that indicting Trump is the same thing that you're you don't understand what's happening i think lindsey graham came out and said that uh it was probably going to lead to major civil unrest oh he's threatening us <laughs> as if he can do this i mean look this is just history right. uh, well it's certainly discombobulated martin armstrong that's for sure so 20 next year it could be challenging for americans in many oh, ways definitely you I definitely mean, the whole it, world uh we're in we're basically inviting uh <clears throat> china to take taiwan mm -hmm. um and look they're very they're smart anybody with with any strategic idea of history uh the way to take down the united states is go ahead let's start a war with russia over there and then china does that can we fight both of them on two sides at the same time i don't think so yeah um, you have North Korea now sending a hundred thousand troops to Ukraine. Is that right? Wow, I didn't. Yes. I haven't seen that one. Wow. So you're 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 creating bonds between these countries that have always been, you know, basically pissed off at the United States anyhow. Uh, and so you're creating this uh, massive army on the opposite side. I mean, Korea. North Korea has one of the largest armies in the world. I think they have 1.5 million people on duty right now. Really? Wow. And they, they're sending to fight for Ukraine against Putin. Yeah. Wow. 100,000. 100,000. So, but Putin is not going to quit, right? I mean, he's not going to pull, pull out. No, no, look, he can't. Yeah. I mean... What is he, he going to do? Look, from... All the, the declassified documents that I've seen. <clears throat> and as I said, the last words of Yeltsin to him is protect Russia. He's not a communist. That's nonsense. Um, he knows that communism doesn't work. And uh, communism, would the government would have to take back all the property of everybody. And it's the same thing with China. China's not communist. 
if it was communist, you wouldn't see all these Chinese tourists all over the place. <laughs> um, they got money and they own property. I mean, that's not communism. Communism is the government owns everything. Sure. Call them a dictatorship, authoritarian, fascist, whatever you want, but they're not communists. All right. It, it's big, you know, be, you know, at least pay attention to the definition of the word, <laughs> you know. Um, but Putin, there's no way. Um, this is absurd that to think that Ukraine can actually defeat Russia. I mean, if it ever got to that point, he's going to push the button. He's going to save Russia. That's what he was there to do. Those were the last words of Yeltsin to him. Uh, and he sees himself as a, as a patriot. Hmm. Simple as that. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, Russia comes first, all right? Just like, you know, Trump was saying America comes America first. I mean, comes first. So, you know, this idea that you can, you know, defeat him, I mean, it's absurd. Absolutely absurd. I don't know if you saw any of the banter, you know, <clears throat> and these people, oh, they want to see Putin, re you know, removed or whatever. <clears throat> Look, if you take him out, we're in real trouble. Yeah. Because he's one of the moderates. That's what if I you hear. Look at some of the people behind him. Oh my God! They're more I mean, hardcore than he is. <laughs> they they are the real hardcore. One of them, I forget his name, but um, you had Johnson saying this, that he would use nukes to get against Russia, and he came out and he says, "Do you realize just one of ours takes out all of UK?" And he and he also said, "100 megaton exploded just." in a submarine creates a tidal wave that takes out your country get a grip on what you're saying <laughs> get a grip. you know um Jeez. hiroshima was a tenth of a, of a of one of these bombs i mean really wow these things are just huge yeah and they're loaded one right will take out all britain so i mean yeah. you know you better be careful what you're playing with yeah Okay, Mr. Armstrong, uh, thank you so much for coming on from time to time. Now, you're going to do the new book, and maybe maybe you'd come on when that comes out in November and talk about it with Russia, seizing Russia. That'd be fun. And then Oh, it's, it's, it will be an eye-opener. Yeah, I great. And then what do you have going it's on? It's not my opinion. No, this is just... It's, it's all the documents from the Clinton administration. Cool. I got the letters, the conversations, back and forth, everything. You're going to put them in the book. You're going to put all that in the yep. book. Cool. And then what do you have going on in Orlando uh, on November for uh, people to come visit you? Oh, that's our um, <clears throat> our annual World Economic Conference. Uh, that's in, I think, November 11th to 13th in Orlando. Um, in the home of the brave and, and land of the free, Florida. And what goes on? Who else do you have? What kind of guests do you have? Speaking of that? Uh, well, it's just me speaking. It's oh, our so clients that want to go over the computer and everything else. It's, uh, uh, you know, it, this year I don't know. Um, um, since a lot of the restrictions on travel have now come down, so how many people you don't know. more will be able to come in from overseas, I'm, I'm not sure. Um, we were streaming it for the last two years and because they couldn't get in. <laughs> so yeah. uh, this year will be interesting to see, you know, um, if we're just going to, you know, have uh, physically 
North Americans there or with a few Europeans that managed to get out or we're going to get a lot more international audience back again uh, we'll we'll see yeah and then tell our, our listeners and viewers what what they find on armstrongeconomics.com and you have different levels of services too uh, to give yourself a little plug on those and what how they sure. that works well, the the main blog is is open to yeah, everybody. Open you don't even have to register. Uh, we don't track anybody, so we re- basically respect your privacy there. Mm-hmm. Um, on the other side is Socrates. You can go into Socrates and see what you know the overview of what's going on. Uh, that's like fifteen dollars a month. We try to keep that very you know cheap for people um, worldwide. I, and then you have uh, higher levels of service where you can sign into, you know, specific markets for those that actually trade them. I see. Uh, mm-hmm. But I mean, it, it's covering um, just about all the countries. That, like I say, it writes over a thousand reports every day on instruments around the world. Um, hmm. so, I mean, people, you know, uh, we have hundreds of thousands of people that uh, use that globally. Um, we still have offices in China. We're not shut down there. Um, most of the Chinese institutions use it. I mean, everybody, you know, they just they log into it because mainly it's not an individual's opinion. This is objective writing by the computer itself. So you don't have to worry about, you know, you know, did I get get a good night's sleep last night before I say something or what? <laughs> um, so, but but Socrates is not going to try to take over the world someday. So we're okay, right? Yes. Yeah. No. I mean, I'm just kidding. I don't know. Um, I mean, those are great ideas for movies. Yeah, like Hal. Um, Remember when Hal did that? Yeah. I mean, look, I've been a programmer in AI, you know, all my life, really. Wow. That is a theory, which has never uh, been proven correct, and, and I don't think it can. But the idea is that we're not really divine beings or anything else. We're, our brains are just a supercomputer, and then it's you throw in all this data, and a computer will be like us and suddenly become cognizant. You know, come alive. Not gonna, not gonna happen. <laughs> it's not gonna happen. I mean, um, not gonna happen at all. There's a lot more to us, and and <clears throat> we're born ignorant. So I mean, how does that happen? You know, it's it's um, it's a nice theory. You know, you've seen it for in a lot of different movies. You know, Terminator and things sure. of this nature. You know, it, it's. I don't see how a computer is going to suddenly become. Um, Realistic and wake up and say, "Gee, I don't like your hair." So That's I think, right. I think I think I'm going to do that. Yeah, it is the yeah. most of fantastic the mind brain um, relational database ever, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't. Yeah, like I said, I've been programming my whole life. I don't know how to create it if I wanted to. <laughs> That's right. Even if you wanted to. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Mr. Armstrong. Again, always a pleasure to have you. It's an honor. You take care of yourself. Stay under the radar. And we'll see you after I'm your new I'm book trying. comes out. Okay, brother. Thank you. Thank Bye-bye. You. Martin Armstrong, Patrick Timpone on OneRadioNetwork.com. He's a good one, huh? It's funny. It's like, I don't think his computer is going to take over like Hal did. What was that, 2001 or whatever? One of that one? One of those. 
Okay, as usual, we're going to take Thursdays off and we're going to work on our screenplays. We're on our rewriting our third screenplay and we're going to sell one of these someday soon. So, we're going to. And we're starting to win a few uh, screenwriting contests, so that's always fun. And um, so thanks for your ongoing support. Uh, please pass on these links to everyone that you care about. And if you're new to One Radio Network, because uh, a lot of Martin Armstrong fans, come by our website. We have a lot of uh, uh, shows every morning, live at 10 o'clock, uh, video and audio, a lot of audio shows, and um, our videos are up on BitChute, so you can see those. And uh, come on by. Have some fun. Let us know if we can help. All right, kids, I'll see you till Friday. And when we do, it takes a long time to get young. Our Friday show title on OneRadioNetwork.com. So I love you all very much. Thank you. Take care. See you soon. Broadcasting from the beautiful Hill Country in Texas, this is OneRadioNetwork.com.